Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Good morning, church. (laughs) This is my first time that I'm able to be in front of you, um, being able to minister with you in through a sermon. So I don't know some of the things that might come out. But you probably, after six months, have known me well enough where we'll just keep moving on and pour a little grace on there, and, uh, and we'll be good. I just want to say what an absolute treat it has been to be placed here in Georgia at this time. Many of you, we have crossed paths Uh, in the past, and in one time or another we have met, and some of us have shared our lives um, in what seems like a past life, (laughs) because things change so quickly. And as a matter of fact, being around some of you, I feel like a child again. (laughs) I have to look in the mirror, oh yeah, I'm definitely an adult now. I earned every one of those gray hairs and the circles that you see under my eyes. They have been earned well. I was just talking to Paul the other day and saying how much it feels like I have come home because I grew up in South Carolina and there are a lot of trees and where I come from in Texas now, you don't see much of those. So it feels a little bit like coming home. Though I've lived most of my adult life in Texas, I grew up in the thriving metropolis of Swansea, South Carolina. I know all of y'all know where that is, yeah? No. (laughs) Which as of 2008 hosts 946 of the loveliest people you will ever meet which is up 50% from when we moved there in 1990. (laughs) We had about 500 people that lived in Swansea, South Carolina. And you know that living in a small town when your local phone book only has one yellow page. (laughs) All kidding aside, it's one of the best places on earth Um, where I share with my family some of the most joyful memories of my life. And when my dad's side of the family, Mima, Papa, Uncle Chad, Aunt Alicia, Aunt Christy, my mom and dad, and me, decided to move down to the South because I had been born in Pittsburgh and many, much of my family were born, uh, born, raised, and living in Ohio. When we moved here, we settled on this quaint little town outside of Columbia, and we called it home. And to acclimate our Yankee Doodle temperaments to this foreign and very unknown land, we made quick friends 
with the neighbors next door, which was about half a mile down yonder. (laughs) And we decided to take up a very odd but intriguing tradition of having a pig picking. (laughs) Yes, thank you. I am mercilessly chided and, and made fun of by my husband because he does not understand the art of pig picking. Is there anybody, you can raise your hand, anybody here ever had a pig picking? Okay. <laughs> was it you or was it somebody else in your neighborhood? You did it. No, okay, that is, that is the right answer. You did not do it. Well, we decided we were going to do it. And I'm going to tell you, it was something. If you've never been to a pig picking, if you've never had that beautiful opportunity, it is kind of like uh, what you see here. This is a beautiful holiness table, very large. Um, But it's kind of about the size of this. You dig a, a, a pit and you put cinder blocks around it. And then you put kind of this barred kind of like a grill. You make a grill. That's basically what you do. And underneath, um, you don't want fire. You just want hot coals because you don't want it to get too hot because what do you have to do? You want to make sure that it cooks, but you don't want to overcook it. So you keep the fire off to the side and down underneath, you make make sure the, the coals are hot, but not too, too hot. So we sent away for this information because we didn't have the internet at that time. And it was kind of an interesting, I don't want to sin where I put this, so let me see here. (laughs) I could get a little dodgy there. So we have this pit, this holiness-sized table pit, And we find a place where we can get a pig. Well, where do you find a pig? I don't know because I was about five or six years old. But I remember very vividly my Uncle Chad having the back end of this pig and my dad at the front end parading it around the house because this is something that we have never even thought of, let alone lived and experienced. So we wanted the full Southern experience. And this was it for us. It was pig picking. So my grandfather is kind of in charge of this whole group of us. And we get the pig on, we get the coal set, and my dad and my Uncle Chad are always the ones who end up having to look after my grandpa, who who I'll call Papa, because he kind of had a mind of his own, and he kind of decided the things that he would do and what he wouldn't do, and nobody was going to tell him, and all that good, wonderful stuff. Lots of things that ran through the blood and what blood runs through me now. (laughs) So we have this pig. And I'll tell you where the problem happened. It was when my Uncle Chad and my dad decided that they were going to go into town. And town for us was about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, depending on traffic. And that was just enough time for things to go a little haywire for my grandfather. And I remember in my five or six-year-old brain just thinking, I just don't feel like the pig should be on fire. (laughs) But it was. A few things had transpired. Um, It started raining, so we got the idea. We, I say we, it was not me. It was people there. Got the idea to put a tarp 
on top a, a, a blue tarp, and I'll tell you why it's blue in a bit, but a blue tarp went on top about 20 feet because we thought if it's t that high up, it'll be all right. Because what happens when plastic gets hot? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> things melt, and blue sticks to um, this flaming pig. So we are, I'm seeing my grandfather running toward the um, hose. So he grabs the hose, and he is doing his best to put out this flaming, um, very hot and on fire pig. Um, I'm gonna tell you that this was one of those times that if I could label 2020, it would be the Meredith pig picking of 1991. <laughs> it was a complete disaster. It was, I, I can't even express to you how crazy it was. And honestly, I, some of it I don't even remember. Because I was so young, I actually had to call my mom and dad last night to get um, the full story to make sure I wasn't telling um, just some tales because it was just such a loved story of my childhood, something that I will forever remember and now I'm sure all of you will forever remember. Um, and just a wonderful time of fellowship and 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 blue specks of, of tarp and, and very charred uh, pig. And I'm gonna tell you, we put the rest of that pig in the freezer because darn it, we were gonna eat it because that's how my grandpa was. We made this pig and we're gonna eat the whole thing. As my dad said that he picked up one of the, the um, um, <laughs> yeah, the ribs, <laughs> thank you. I'll look over here if I need words now. Uh, one of the ribs, and he said it disintegrated in, in his hands. What a lovely, lovely memory of the South <laughs> from my family. When Paul wrote this le letter to the Philippians, he was under a sort of house arrest most likely in Rome. We believe for him to be in Rome at this time. He founded, Paul, founded the church of Philippi along with Silas, Timothy, and Luke. Hopefully these are names you've heard of before. I know they are. And this was during his second missionary journey. And he stayed closely connected. The, the people of Philippi stayed closely connected to Paul. They had a very special place in his heart. This letter was not primarily written because of church problems, as many of Paul's letters sometimes are. There were a few things that needed to be addressed, but the overall theme of, of his writing can be seen as finding joy in living for Christ. We see this as a letter of joy. Now, life as a believer in Philippi would not have been an easy one. As you imagine from the content of this letter, hostility was spreading for those who in Christ, for those who followed Christ. There was much hostility 
for those people. Especially since they were living in a place of opposing views and beliefs. This was a culture of worshiping Caesar and and having the integration of pagan religions in everyday life. Does this sound a little familiar to where we are today? Paul begins this letter with thanksgiving. If you look in chapter 1, letting them know that although he was in prison, nothing is stopping the spread of God's word. There is nothing that's going to stop him from speaking about God. In fact, it has encouraged most to speak the word of God more courageously and more fearlessly. Before we hit chapter 2, he brings us into his struggle. The struggle is real, right? It is real for all of us. We have different struggles, but it's real either way. It is a privilege to suffer, are his words. Chapter 2 begins with Paul encouraging them and us to be like Christ. We have the same mind as Christ, have the same attitude as Christ. And here we are in chapter 2, starting with verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. What? Is that what it says? Yes, that is what it says. Without grumbling or arguing. There are no disclaimers here. This is for all. This is for everyone. No grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. A place where everything that is right in God's word is completely wrong in the world. Everything that is wrong, wrong in God's word is right with the world. It is completely opposite. It is, it is a complete change of what God has said and asked of us. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Thank you, Lord. That toilet that I cleaned, it was not in vain, Lord. It was for you. But even if... I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I could probably sit here and talk for a mile about grumbling and arguing, but I think we know what we're supposed to do. We just don't do it. So do it. You heard it from me. It's the last portion that fascinates me. A drink offering. Excuse me. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Drink offerings were usually made with wine. You're not going to get that today from me. I'm sorry. Do you have some lovely water? 
you won't get wine here. But they were made over a sacrifice. It, 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 it was kind of the thought of uh, when you poured the wine on top, the smoke would come out. And people would think of it as an offering going to God. The aroma they would smell. And it was pleasing to the Lord. This is the encouragement from Paul that our sufferings, our lives were made to be poured out for the sake of Christ. This obviously does not mean we have a death wish, but it does mean where he leads me, I will follow. Now I'm going to show you <clears throat> for myself, when I think of being poured out, this is usually how it works for me. This might not be for you, but this is kind of what happens for me. I have my measuring tools here, and I'm gonna take one tablespoon, and this is what I'm able to give for dance. Just one tablespoon, got it? That's it. It'll be a substitute. <laughs> we'll get there, little by little. This is what I have, maybe for women's ministries. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll do a whole tablespoon. This is what I have for visiting with people because I'm one of those people I need to be home. I have to recharge. I have to make sure that I have alone time where literally there is not one person in the home and I can just be there alone. And I just sit there sometimes because I just, I just need alone time. So for visiting, this is what I can do, God. This is it. You can take it or leave it. And then there are times where I feel like I can be a little more generous, right? A cup is more generous than a tablespoon. So for Wednesday night program, I think I can probably give a full cup because I'm feeling pretty good today. I did my devotions this morning. Feeling pretty good. Am I poured out? <laughs> I'm not poured out. I am deciding. I am the one that's, that gets to decide where and when God will use me. But that's not what is intended. This isn't what God has asked of us. This isn't what his plan for our lives were. Now the problem is, some of us get to a point where we just let the whole thing go. But what happens? We get to the end and there's what? <laughs> there is nothing left. So I do believe in boundaries. I think God speaks very clearly in the Bible about boundaries. I do have to have time to recharge, but maybe it has to be at a different time than when I had decided. Instead of it being this day, at this time, for these hours, God has said, you know what? I'm going to place this person in your life, and that has to be their time. This has to be the time I go and be with them. And really, what our lives should look like being poured out. We have ourselves here. We have God here. And when we're taking the time and doing the right things at the right time for the right reasons, as my dad has always told me, this is what it should be. I'm not a very coordinated person. I'm pretty awkward, so we're going to see how this goes. 
I'm not very strong either. Am I empty? God's never empty, although I can't really portray that here. And he keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. In the scripture, especially beginning of Philippians, it talks about this, this pouring out, that, that Jesus poured himself out for each and every one of us. And it's a Greek word, uh, kenosis, which means he was empty. He emptied himself, gave himself fully for us. And for us, what that looks like is him on the cross, fully giving himself for you and for me. Not having the convenience, not having the, the me time, not having any type of measurement. It was a full measure that God gave for you and for me. And this Thanksgiving, that is what I'm thankful for most because he didn't hold back. He gave all, everything he gave for you and for me. I just want to say how thankful I am to the Lord for that. I want to be emptied. I want to be fully used for God's purposes. Like that woman that came to him and poured the oil on his feet. I want to be that oil. I want to be that aroma that, oh, that is so sweet smelling. I want to be poured out even to death. I want to be poured out. I'm not looking for it. But if God sends me that way, Lord, I pray that I would be faithful to you. And what I want to convey, what I want to bring you in on this Thanksgiving, is think about your families. Some of you, I know, won't be able to share meals together. Some of you are maybe traveling. Whatever you're doing, I, I pray that you'll stay safe. I pray that, um, that you'll have a good pumpkin pie. But my prayer for you is to follow wherever the Lord leads. Even, dare I say, to the point of death. Allow yourself to be poured out. We're just going to have a moment of, of reflection, of time. Um, a time where we can just think on the Lord's sacrifice for us, how it wasn't measured out, it was full, and, and <laughs> he couldn't have given any more of himself for us. And I just want you to think, what portions or what times have we just measured out a little bit, a little bit, a little bit? Maybe he's asking, <laughs> a little more. When I think of my kids, it's hard for me to think of sacrifice 
it's hard for me to think of their life. I want to hold it so, so close. I want to hold it where nothing can harm them. But I have to trust God. And I have to trust that he has the best because I know he does. Did we ever do another pig picking? Absolutely not. <laughs> and I don't want to relive 2020 either. But I'm so thankful for what God has worked through us, what God has worked himself through this year, because he's doing something new. And I hope you're excited. I hope there's an expectancy because he is doing something new. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for being who you are. For just loving us so much that you would send the greatest sacrifice. Lord, today we, we want to be on that altar. We want to offer our lives as living sacrifices today, God. Fully and completely. Lord, send people into our lives that we can encourage. Send people into our lives that, Lord, that we can show who you are. Lord, that means a little less grumbling. It means a little less complaining. God, because we want to show a clear picture of who you are, and, and none of that, none of that matters. So God, today, as you fill us up, Lord, allow us to be poured out for your purpose, for your will. Align our wills with yours. And with all of this, we ask your precious name. In his name alone, amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.